0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson, joining me again tonight, uh, your friend and mine, Joel
1: Luckup. How are you doing today, Joel? Good, Chad. This is the most important podcast we've done this year, I think.
0: I think it's not even close. Um, <laughs> it's
1: the only one, right? <laughs>
0: given, given that we've been on hiatus for a little while, I, I was afraid we'd gotten canceled by the home office in uh, uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, but
1: uh, yeah, and no, they- we're back. One day, they just contact us, and they're like, hey, are you guys ever going to do this again? And we're like, oh, I guess so. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's not like we have much to talk about. It's been uh, really an interesting year for the Reds, not always a fun year or a good year in a lot of ways, and we've got a lot to talk about uh, in terms of what's going on recently with injuries especially. We'll get into that uh, first thing, but do uh, you have any sort of general thoughts about the season so far,
1: Joel? It's a weird season because I mean it's, it's a lousy season. It's been mostly a lousy season, but it's a, you know it's been a weird season because there there are some guys that are having some pretty good years. And you go down and you look down the stat sheet and you're like, wow, you know, if I had known that these guys were going to have the years that they were going to have, I would have thought they would have been in a lot better position that they are now. Granted, the way the Cardinals have played this year has not helped any of that, um, but uh, you know they're they're just. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those weird seasons that uh, it hasn't been fun, but it hasn't always been a disaster, and there have been fun parts. And I don't know. What about you?
0: Yeah, well, it was similar. You know, there have been uh, there have been fun uh, parts of the season. There have been times when I thought, oh, here, you know, we might have it, might have something here, and then of course they have hit a big losing streak and, and ruin all that. Uh, the Cardinals. You're right. The, the Cardinals playing so well has really hurt the Reds, who are now sitting in. Uh, Fourth place, eleven games out, but you know they're really only, I think, four games out of the second wild card spot. <laughs> if you want to really start talking, uh, talking, uh, yeah, they're four games out of the second playoff spot. Uh, well, I, talking play, playoff odds, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to count on. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Chad. That doesn't make me feel very good. Well, considering how poorly they've played at times over the last month. It's amazing to me that they're even that close. I guess is the point that I was trying. You
1: know, what's really weird is that I mean, if it weren't for three bullpen disasters, two of them in Philadelphia, and then one of them against the Padres, uh, you know, right now as we speak uh, today on Wednesday evening, uh, they'd be working on what win in 11 of their last 12 games. Uh, which just blows my mind because it doesn't feel like they've played that well. And granted they haven't exactly played any tough competition over those 12 games outside of the nationals. Uh, But still, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, like I said, it's a weird season. It's a, you know, I kind of had already given up hope. So now that they're playing better, I'm like, well, I don't know, (laughs) but I don't think they're going to go to the finals. So
0: I I don't either. And I tried to convince myself preseason. They would. And of course, the, the the way we all really decided the Reds might have a chance to the playoffs was to sort of squint at the roster and say, well, if they stay healthy, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're right, some of the guys that have had good seasons make you think if this team be able to stay healthy, who knows? And, and, and the first guy to, to mention when we're talking about that is a guy who suffered an injury today, and that's Zach Cozart, who's really been uh, fantastic. Uh, uh, for, I guess well, fantastic in comparison to what we expect out of Zach Cozart uh, this year. And of course, he had uh, what may be a gruesome knee injury in this afternoon's game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cozart's season and, and what did you see there when he uh, ran over first base?
1: Uh, uh, well I, I was actually at the game uh, and so I, I was kind of I, was sit- I wasn't I was working I was sitting uh, back up in section 419 and um, it, it looked bad but you know I and I heard that the video is even worse than what, what I actually saw and I haven't I and mean, I'm not a big fan of watching those gruesome injury videos anyway so I'm not going to go back and watch that but um, by, my impression is that he's going to be out for a long time, which is such a shame uh, for for positive. I mean, because Zach was having such a good year, uh, especially way above what we would have expected from him. Um, but also because, and, and from a uh, more of a negative perspective perhaps, but uh, that good year possibly could have allowed the Reds to be able to deal him um for, even if it wasn't for like a, a just a midland prospect or whatever, but you know they would have perhaps given Zach a chance to go play somewhere where he was going to be able to contribute to a winning team again. Um, you know, did I spend that properly? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, well, it, I mean it, yeah and, for once he had trade value is what I'm trying to say.
0: He had some trade value, and it's the one place. Probably on the diamond that the Reds had a, uh, a ready-made backup as well in uh, Eugenio Suarez. So, um, right. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate in every respect for, for Cozart uh, himself and, and for the season he was having and, and for the Reds. Not just because now they're out of a starting shortstop, but because that's another uh, that's another trade chip that may not be available. What's a,
1: yeah. I, I said. A, Go ahead. You have to wonder if Walt is starting to feel like, okay, I'm going to start dealing guys before they, you know, we don't want them to all start uh, getting injured and losing them, you know, with uh, uh, when Quito had that little bulky elbow situation a, a couple weeks ago, he probably started puckering up right then, like, oh man, i got to get, you know, i got to do something, which is a bad position to be in, you know?
0: It is, it is. Uh, and, and, you know, we said a moment ago that we thought the, for the rest to be competitive this year they really needed to stay healthy and it's been the exact opposite of healthy i mean this team has just been snake bitten Uh, and it's a team with no depth that couldn't afford that obviously somehow they're hanging in there uh, kinda Mm -hmm. but uh well they're they're playing bad teams that helps it always helps uh (laughs) play the bad teams especially when you are a bad team but uh brandon phillips was having a year that was You know, somewhat better than I expected as well. Again, not an incredible year, 314 on base percentage, uh, 386 slugging. But still, uh, an okay year, an an acceptable year, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, he's hurt now. Uh, Devin Miserocco, obviously.
1: Um,
0: Marlon Byrd.
1: Who else? Who, who else? Well, Billy on? Hamilton's uh, dealing with a wrist issue right now, so he didn't play today. Uh, who knows if he'll, if he'll come back anytime soon? Or you know that that's the, the frustrating. If there is one truly frustrating thing about this season, it's been the roster management. And you know, we had Devin Masaraco on the roster forever when he when it was clear he wasn't going to play, uh, or at least not more than pinch hit. Um, you know, and then. Uh, uh, now we have basically a four-man bench, where three of the guys or you know, two or three of the guys on the bench uh, can't really play because they're not healthy. Um, and it's just you know that's just a disastrous situation to be in, and and it's a weird it's weird that this is the situation that has arisen because the Reds have actually made what like a half dozen forty-man roster moves, which is unheard of at this point in the season to have right. so many changes on your forty-man uh, only into June. And it just, you know, it's such a, it's a weird season. I, I've already, I think this is the title of your of this think, podcast. It's a weird season.
0: I think we've landed uh, landed on the title, absolutely. I do want to point out, you said that there's a few guys on the bench that couldn't play because of injuries. It looks to me like there's a few guys on the bench that can't play because they can't play. Well. <laughs> Negron, Schumacher, uh, Brennan Bosch are uh, not exactly distinguishing themselves uh, this season. Um. Yeah, it's it's been a strange season all the way around. Uh, Mesoraco, that whole that whole thing. Uh, and if you haven't been paying attention, uh, where, where have you been? I guess it's our fault for not doing podcasts about it. But uh, they just keep Mesuraco on the uh, on the uh, roster, on the 25-man roster for weeks. Uh, he, he couldn't play in the field. Um, they say now he may be able to play left field. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that, but. Maybe we'll see, but he couldn't. He couldn't squat, which makes it difficult to play catcher. I don't know if he ever played catcher, but it's difficult to play catcher if you can't squat. Did you know that? Well, in the modern
1: game, now he could go back to being one of those standing up catchers, like yeah, you know Ernie Lombardi or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going back to the, that uh, that style of catching. Johnny
1: Bench ruined that for everyone forever, I guess. And maybe uh, you know, and then maybe he can uh, he can catch barehanded, and and you know, and the pitcher can throw from forty five feet underhand. I mean, our well, our bullpen almost does that. So. As a matter of fact, actually, that might that might benefit the Reds <laughs> given
0: their uh, the current state of their pitching staff uh, or their bullpen. But uh, so they kept Mezrowaco on the on the 25 man roster, and the whole idea was, well, he's going to get to uh, DH during the uh, American League games. And of course, when it came around to the American League games, he was unable to DH very often. Uh, certainly not as often enough to justify a roster spot. And and that's something we've complained about over the years. to the Reds. Keeping guys on the 25-man roster when they probably could have had a would have been better used to call someone else up. Then again, the way uh, this roster, the 40-man roster, is so thin, I don't know that they had anyone they could, that could have replaced Ms. Rock on the on the 25-man. Uh, anyway,
1: and uh, what do you think ultimately, that's the big issue that the yeah. that the depth of talent within this organization is so sparse right now especially at the higher levels of the minor leagues. Now, there are, there is some talent down there in single A and, and double A, but, you know, not guys that are ready to come up here and produce. Um, and so, you know, that's, I mean, that's the shame of the whole situation. And why are we new going into the season that they wouldn't be able to handle very many injuries?
0: Right. What do you think about the idea of uh, letting Mesoraco get some work in left field?
1: Uh I don't know what. Here's here's my thought on Mezirako, and, and you know, I, I have no I have no, had no conversations with anybody that has led me to this. This is just my own brain doing its thing. Um, I have a feeling that they want an alternative position for Mezirako because they're afraid he's not going to catch, which is not is not that shocking. Uh, but given that he can't go play the first base because he, there's a guy there already. Uh, they're, they're trying him out in left field and they want to try him this year. The reason why they're going through all the effort to do it this year is because they want to know whether or not they have to find somebody to play left field in the off season. That's my guess. My guess is that their, their long-term projection right now in case Mesoraco cannot uh, you know go back to squatting because they say even after the surgery there's still this possibility, um, that he won't be able to squat because the guys that have had this injury, none of them have been catchers. They've all gotten better after, you know, the impingement has, I don't know if healed is the right word, but the impingement is cleared um, and, you know, performed, you know, admirably. I don't know, and I don't know exactly everybody that's had that surgery. I don't know, maybe some guys weren't able to come back completely, but um, there's still this possibility that if he can't catch, that you need to find a place for him. And outside of a a trade of Joey Votto, um, which, while unlikely, uh, I mean, there's still that possibility, but it's highly unlikely. Uh, You know, I think they want to know if if Mesorako is at least non-embarrassing in left field to the point that they feel like they may not have to go out and get a left fielder next year. Does that make sense? It does make sense.
0: And and that's uh, that's really something I hadn't really considered um, in terms of Mazzaro playing left field full time because my hope, I guess, maybe it's just me looking with uh, rose-colored glasses at this, is that the idea would be he he can get the surgery after the season, probably be ready in four months, uh, according to what I've read uh, after the surgery, and so maybe so maybe be ready for next uh, next season to start and, and catch at that time, and, but since he can get uh, recovered during the offseason from the surgery, why not let him Why not let him play left field since it doesn't bother him really? It, the only time it bothers him, reportedly, is when he squats to catch. Uh, I question whether that's the case because uh, he couldn't play very much uh, as DH during those AL games, so I wonder how much it's uh, bothering him outside of just squatting. But again, I don't have the information that the Reds have, and so I, I guess my, my best case scenario would be that he, he's It's just a way to get him in the lineup, especially given that the Reds don't have a left fielder right right now, and they literally don't have a left fielder uh, at this
1: time. But they did have have a left fielder, I think, when they started this conversation about trying him out in left
0: field. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. They did Uh, a left fielder, uh, a a short timer, probably uh, just this season in Marlon Byrd, and certainly Byrd's not going to now that he's injured. He's not going to get the at bats that would make that option kick in. Theoretically. For next year, so um, so this is this is a team without a without a left fielder. Uh, Jesse Winker is not has not distinguished himself just yet uh, in in the minor leagues this year. He was the guy that a lot of us had hoped would step up to take it. Um, there's nowhere else to put Mizeraco other than left field right. um, if, if if he can handle it. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised given his body type and his that uh, you know unique brand of athleticism whether he could be a left fielder. But maybe I don't know. Um, it, it may be the first base is the only other place he can play, in which case it's going to create some more uh, difficult decisions for Walt Jocketty, and he's got a bunch of difficult decisions to make over the next few months.
1: Well, my my bold and crazy prediction would be that uh, that Joey Votto will get traded this, this summer. That's my bold and crazy prediction.
0: Huh? I, I know you... I know you want that to happen because you don't
1: like Joey Votto. You're not a Votto fan. You never have been. No. You know me. No. In all seriousness, and I know people say, well, nobody's going to ever take that contract. Uh, I don't think it'll be free for the Reds. I don't think it'll be they're getting rid of the contract and getting back somebody that doesn't have a bad contract as well. What I think it'll be is they'll get back a less bad contract. Uh, And by less bad, I mean less money for less years. Especially, um, yeah. Um, but I I think that um, and, and I have again I have no no inside information on this. I know sometimes people think that I that I get that I have no inside information. This is completely a theory that I have, and I don't you know this is harebrained. At the you know if it doesn't happen, it's not you know don't go around on Twitter pointing out how what a big idiot I am. I already know <laughs> that I already know I'm an idiot. I just think that it, it would not surprise me one bit um, if uh, a team came along and said, you know what, we think we can use Votto, you're going to take this guy, this guy, you know, four years and $50 million left on his deal, he doesn't fit into our future, we've got a young, I mean, the, the, the example that's in my head right now, um, which was pure, that, that was purely a case of it worked out perfectly for both teams, but... Is the uh, the Prince Fielder for Ian Kinsler deal? Uh, right. You know, Kinsler I think had four years left. Fielder had like seven years left. Fielder was owed a lot more money, uh, but Kendler, uh the Rangers had. It seemed like everybody that all of their great prospects were all middle infielders, um, and they needed to uh, clear out that space uh, to bring one of those guys into play, and um, and so they they could you know make a swap like that. I I don't know who that is right now. I don't know what team that might be that be able to make that deal. Um I just personally do not believe that Joey Votto is untradeable because of his contract. I,
0: I think you're right that he's not untradeable because of his contract although the Reds may have to get creative uh, like you like you noted in terms of how they structure a deal uh, involving Votto. And I'm not one of these guys that says anybody should be untouchable but I think that everyone should be available for trade at any time in the right trade, mm-hmm. in the right deal, uh, if you think it can improve your team.
1: Uh, well, I, I, I feel like um, so you know people have asked me, well, who would I trade? Well, I trade. I would trade anybody, like you just said. What I would do is I would make you know I'd look at all the offers that I'm getting for these guys because you know a lot of the guys on the roster, people are probably asking about many of them. I would look at the deals and I would look at those deals from the perspective of, okay, what makes me better for 2017 and 2018 and 2019? Uh, you know, which of these, because if, if we're really looking at it realistically, how many of these guys are going to be here in 2017 and 2018? I mean, it's, you know, uh, outside of Phillips and Votto and Bruce who are all signed, or actually I think Bruce is signed through 2016 with an option for 2017. Um, Phillips and Votto, I think, are both signed through. Or, I mean, Phillips is signed through 2017. I don't think anybody else is under. uh, Meseraca, uh is. I don't think anybody else is under contract besides those four and Homer Bailey, uh, through through 2017-2018. So, if you're looking at your roster, you you know, you're going to go through a rebuild. It does not make sense. I mean, I've seen people say, "Well, you can't trade Todd Frazier. These two people are coming out to see He's the He's the draw, or he's you know he's uh, young and under control. Well, you know Frazier's only got they've only got him for two more years past this season, and if you don't think you're going to be competitive in 2016, and and you know they could be competitive in 2017, but there's not necessarily that chance. Well, then he should be, you know, emotionally, you need to make him available. Uh, You know, whether or not you realistically can find somebody to give you what you need is another question. But, you know, I would find out for all of these guys, okay, this is what I can get. Does this this improve my team going through 17 and 18 and all that? Um, And I I wouldn't feel like I need to hold on to anybody uh, just because um, they're fan favorites, uh, fans fans will find new favorites. You build a winning team, fans will fall in love with the guys that you build the winning team around.
0: Absolutely, that that, that should not even come into the conversation. If I'm the GM, that doesn't come into the conversation. I look at the roster, and I say, uh, which of these guys is going to be on the next playoff team mm-hmm. or the next good Reds team? Uh, you know, if you see guys out there uh, like you just, and, and that's pretty much what you just said. Uh, you know, maybe those guys you want to keep around. Everyone else, uh, see what you can get for them. See what you can get that will help the next good Reds team, Mm -hmm. which is probably not going to be until 2017 at the earliest. But here's here's what I have. There there are two points here about specifically trading Votto. Okay. The first is the Reds are only four games out of the wild card. Trading Votto, even though it may be the best thing that could happen, uh, you know, uh, for the Reds over the next four years, some particular deal. I wonder if the Reds will do it, because that will be the absolute, uh, I guess, uh, final, final straw in terms of they're giving up this year. And I just wonder whether, and, and this is just me speculating. I don't, I, I certainly don't have any inside information, but um, it just looks to me like they're going to try to hang on as long as they can this season. And pretend like they're contenders as long as they can, and maybe I'm wrong. They may have you know, they, they Brian Price is headed towards a youth movement, which doesn't really uh, fit in my, my theory. But it is, but trading Vado would be the a very public, in terms, just on the PR side, very publicly giving up on this year.
1: But the thing is, is I mean, trading Cueto or trading Chapman or trading Frazier or trading anybody, I mean, not anybody, but trading you know any of these star level players. Is going to be this send the same message? So well, Quido, you could, I you I
0: can mean, you can argue. Well, he's he's leaving the, end of the year anyway. Let's get something for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, we've got we've got Votto for a while. We've got Fraser for a while. Sure,
1: sure. And again, I don't know who they're going to deal. They may only end up dealing Cueto and Leak because they're going to be you know, uh, right. um, and well, I don't know. <laughs> the second the second point
0: that I had there. Um, is we talking about you, you? Said look at look at the roster. See what you can get that's going to make us better in 2017 and 2018. My question is: Is Walt Jockety going to be general manager in 2017, 2018? Is he going to be motivated by trying to build a roster that's going to be competitive two or three years down the line, or is he going to be motivated by doing what he can to improve the team right now? You know, uh, and I, and I don't I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But uh, I don't. I think those are questions that uh, go into this whole discussion of who do you
1: trade. I don't get the impression that, um, and, and maybe I'm just missing missing the quotes. I don't I don't get this impression anymore that the Reds think that they're competitors this year. Um, and uh, you know the, the quotes about the youth movement, and it wasn't just Brian Price that was saying that. I saw some quotes from Walt Jockety saying that. You know, they uh, right after they swept the Nationals, and then they went and dropped two in Philadelphia. I think he said something along the lines of, uh, "You know, we're not um, we're not delusional to think that uh, that three game series, that three game sweep, means that we're." Uh, I, I don't want to put too many words into his mouth, but it was something along that line that we're not uh, anything. You know, that we're necessarily. Um, Competitors at this point in the this, this series, or, or the you know the contenders uh, right now. So um, I just don't I don't get the impression, and, and I see a lot of people say that oh they're going to hold on to these guys for as long as they can. They want to, um, and they may hold on to them through the All Star break just because they want to have some of those guys actually be on the Reds uh, and in the All Star game. Um, I hope that they don't, you know, that that's not their m- big motivation. But um, I just, I think, you yeah. know, I think within the next month we're going to start, um, we're going to start seeing deals.
0: Well, am, am I wrong in thinking that the Reds could really? This is a uh, sort of a, a an inflection point in this organization's uh, history, in, in which I think they could sell a youth movement. I think they've come to the point where everyone's frustrated with Brian Price and with, although I'm not as frustrated with Price as most people seem to be, but and with the uh, you know the, the long losing streak they had and you know it's just uh, they they got pretty close to the promised land but just couldn't quite get there and, and you know got some pretty good young pitchers and and maybe this is a time you make some deals get some young guys in here seems to me like this is a, like I said an inflection point a time when maybe they can make the case that hey it's a youth movement. Uh, we didn't get where we wanted in the last uh, sort of window of opportunity, but here's the future. And uh, I don't know. It seems like that's an argument that I feel like I could make if I were uh, working for the Reds. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, What what do you think? Well, I I, I absolutely think they could. I think, I mean, there's certainly going to be some fans that are going to be irritated and ticked off
0: and protest. There are going
1: to be fans that are
0: irritated and ticked off no matter what they do.
1: It'll just be a different set of fans, you know? Right. Um, But, I think they could sell it. I don't think it would be a hard sell. I think you'd be able to say things like, um, you know, look what the Cubs have done and look what the Astros have done and look what the, you you know, you could bring up the Twins, even though I don't think the Twins exactly compare to the other two based on their, you know, their life cycle that they're in right now. But, you know, look at what these other teams have done. We have, you know, Winker and Stevenson and Waldorf and all these guys down in the minors. And, you know, they, they, you know, are going to be coming soon. Uh, we want to supplement some of those guys. Um, you know, we're going to have to go through some pain through the next year or two, uh, but we don't think that this is going to be a five-year rebuild. We have enough talent here. Blah blah blah. I mean, I think there's there's plenty of easy phrases that you're able to turn here to show people that you know this isn't a, um, uh, a Miami Marlins selling every you know selling the farm right. kind of a situation. This is a uh, just the kind of normal life cycle of a team, a, you know, a mid-sized market team uh, that we have to go through. Um, you know, there's some of these, there's going to be pain a couple years. And then, you know, I, I, I think the hard part is convincing people that you're not creating a 2001 to 2008 uh, scenario. That's the hardest part we're going to deal with.
0: Well, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh... And I think there are a lot of us uh, out here in Redsland who remember those bad days and remember sort of uh, how awful it was during that time. And and, and a lot of us are concerned that Walt Jockety is not the guy to lead that that renaissance uh, of the organization. I mean, you talked about the Cubs, and uh, we don't have a a Jed Hoyer or a Theo Epstein here, in, in my opinion. Right. but I think you could sell it I think you could sell it and I think that they've they've probably waited way too long they should have started doing this a year ago uh, they should have seen the writing on the wall um, and I understand the reasons why they felt like they couldn't and I'm sure that uh, our owner uh, Bob Castellini, I'm sure that he uh, had a uh, you know a large hand in saying hey we're we're going to stay the course and I didn't necessarily disagree with the decision to try to go for it this year I thought well you know what else can you do uh, given these long-term contracts that were sort of albatrosses around the Reds' neck, but uh, so you know, I think you can sell it. But I'm, are you as concerned as I am? Let me ask that that we've got the wrong guy in charge to make the decisions that need to be the hard decisions that need to be made to get
1: the Reds uh, to properly rebuild. My concern uh, with Walt is that. Well, historically, he's been pretty good at uh, trading youth for veterans, uh, and you know he did pretty well with that in St. Louis. Um, he's mostly done pretty well with that in Cincinnati uh, you know, it, when it comes to trade. Now, his free agent signings leave a lot to be desired, but when it comes to trades, he's done pretty well. Uh, What's wrong with his free agent signings? Are you crazy? Uh, you don't like Skip Schumacher? Well, I think pretty much his best free agent signing has been Brian Pena, hasn't it? I mean, and Brian Pena has been more than we ever would have expected from him. Uh, but you know, he's really not predictable. I mean, he's not—he's not somebody that's uh, necessarily even a frontline star or anything like that. Uh,
0: he's your starting
1: catcher. Uh, yeah, and he's done. You know what? I don't. I, I don't want to look like I'm bashing Brian Pena because he's done so much better this year than I ever would have expected from him, and I hope he's able to keep it up because he seems like an awesome dude. Yes. Um, big big Brian Pena fan. I agree with you. Um, and so anyway, my point my point was going to be that so if he had somewhere in his history that we could point to and say, look, you know, he's kind of done one of these rebuilds before, uh, but he's got a long history and he's never really had to do something like this. And even if we look at like a lot of the youth that came up. Uh, and was the core of this team. It wasn't guys that were brought in by Walt Jockety. It wasn't draft picks that you know came from Walt Jockety drafts for the most part. I mean, you came from him, and um, uh, trying to remember who uh, Mike Leake, you know. So there, there are a couple certainly in there. But um, you know, the, the the core of this team was brought in by the the general managers that came before him, and to that. Wayne Kribsky. Yeah. And and Dan O'Brien. I mean and Yes. <clears throat> Jim Bowden. Um you know, Shut up. Well, I mean, <laughs> he did he does get credit for Joey Vado for giving other guys credit for but I mean it's you know Absolutely. Brandon Phillips was brought in from Wayne Kribsky and and uh and so it's it concerns me that he has not acquired any more core. You know, he's he's mostly been getting these fringe players. I mean, I I guess you could say Latos at one time was part of the core. You know, that was was certainly a a good deal that worked out for the Reds. Um, You know, even though the guys that he's traded, that were traded for him, have all kind of had, you know, some level of success um, at one point or another since the deal. Uh, But ultimately, you know, you can't really look back at his history and say, okay, well, yeah, you know, he's, he's, Brought in some of these, um, you know, some guys that are uh, either ready to burst onto the scene, um, or you know, first or second year major league guys that are uh, that you kind of build your core around, or or minor leaguers that end up becoming uh, quality players. Um, you know, he really does not have that in his history. So, absolutely, I am concerned that he is uh, whether or not he's the right guy to do the rebuild. That's for sure.
0: You're right. The only guy I can think of, just off the top of my head, trying to think, is uh, you mentioned Latos, and of course he was uh, flipped for Anthony Desclafani, who I I'm, I'm a, I'm a Desclafani fan. I think he's going to be a decent uh, a decent pitcher for the Reds.
1: Yeah, I, but he's my know, ultimately when you look. I mean, and I I'm satisfied with what Desclafani's done so far. But ultimately, when you look at that, Latos's ceiling was uh, you know a one or a two, and I think Desclafani kind of falls more in that three or four area. So even then. Um, you know, it, I don't know. I don't know that it necessarily is a net positive. I mean, I'll, no, that's a good point.
0: That's a good point. He, he, it may not have been the return that we should have been able to get from Latos. Right.
1: Uh, well, I, I think at the point in time, at the you know, with Latos being injured and um, you know not really showing any signs of health, starting to get more expensive, blah blah blah, all that. I don't think the Clefani was necessarily a bad return at that point. Um, but you know, the the you know, the metaphorical net return of, you know, a, an ace for a, a middle of the rotation guy probably wasn't exactly you know, what you were hoping for.
0: Right, but and I guess a point that you've made in the past is, is this. Uh, these GMs have a tough job, and you don't know what was out there. You don't know what he was. That may have been the absolute best he could get for a and dose. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, there are a lot of things we don't know about that. I guess if you're gonna if you're going to try to be optimistic about jockey's ability to do this rebuild, is that he's never really had to do one, and the Reds have generally drafted pretty well. Their scouts are are pretty good. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they have a uh, infrastructure in place that can help identify guys. I'm trying here. I'm really trying. Well, to, and to be
1: and to be fair, he has never traded that direction. Really, he's never traded. Where he's giving up the the more um, established piece,
0: right? That's what I'm saying. He's never been in that situation where he's really ever had to do a rebuild, right. as far as
1: I can tell. Well, not even, and not even just like a rebuild. I mean, you know, Latos is I, it, Latos is probably the uh, closest to the prime player that he's ever dealt. I, I would bet. Right. You know, you, outside of you know Placido Polanco, who was traded for Scott Rowland. You know, most of the guys, most of the players he's trading are minor leaguers and he's acquiring the more established players. So um, who knows if he's able to pull off one of those deals. But he doesn't have this history to be able, for us to really be able to tell.
0: Right, right, which is why I'm, I'm nervous. And, and, and also because I've not seen a whole lot of signs that he is, I guess, open to, uh, what's the way to put this? open to the uh, the way baseball's been going. Uh, you know, you look at Neil Huntington with the Pirates and you uh, talked about uh, Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein and, and these guys. I'm afraid he's going to get his lunch eaten by, by young guys who, are, uh, who understand what baseball is these days and what is important to baseball teams uh, these days. And, and maybe that's just, maybe that's unfair. Uh, maybe the Reds' uh, analytics department is going to lead him in the right direction and maybe he's absolutely willing to, to, to listen to everything that uh, they have to say I just I guess I'm worried because it looks like the Cardinals got rid of him because he wasn't willing to do that and you see what the cardinals have done since then and maybe I'm just looking for a reason to worry about, uh, about Walt jockley I, I I don't know but I'm very very uncomfortable with him being at the helm of a rebuilding process uh, and, and whether that's fair or not I don't know. Uh, everyone will have to make their own decision on that, and we'll see how he does it. But I'm worried about it. Okay, duly noted. I'll I'll write that down in the book. Yeah, write that down. Chad is
1: worried. Okay. Ch- Chad's, t-
0: Chad's constantly worried. A lot,
1: a lot of that, a lot of that good. That worry's going to do because regardless of how we feel about it, he's either doing it or he's not. He's not. You know, I he's not going to be out of a job before either it happens or it doesn't. I know and you know and I, and I talk about being worried, but frankly,
0: uh, I've said a hundred times that uh, <laughs> you know and I've I've written it I've said it in print. why get worried about it's just a dumb baseball game. you know we we love baseball. It's supposed to be a diversion. why get upset about what happens? We, we probably care too much about the Reds, but in the end you know if you didn't do it, all right, the reds will stink. We've been through that before we'll be, go through it again. But uh, you know, it doesn't change anything about my life.
1: See, so. I, I I'm going to disagree with you right here, and this is oh, this really? is why. Yeah, and me, the the cold-hearted uh, fact guy, is going to disagree with you. And here's why: I did not realize how miserable I was from 2001 until 2009, until I experienced 2010, and. While this run, I would have loved for them to have actually won a playoff series and a world series, um, uh, the enjoyment that I got, for, I mean, I'm going to follow the Reds regardless, so I would be much happier if I knew that they were either going to be good soon, if they were good now or were going to be good very soon, if I felt confident in that. So uh, you say it's, you know, it's silly that you worry about this. Um for some reason, this is a passion that we've chosen, and so since it's a passion that we've chosen, we want it to be worth our time. And uh, unfortunately, I don't. I think it'll be easier for it to be worth our time um, and enjoyable than it will be for us to turn away and ignore it. So that's well, why no, I'm worried.
0: I, th- I think you're. I, th- I think that's completely logical. I've been trying for the last few years to straddle this line of when the Reds are good and playing well, let's let that cause me enjoyment and make me happy. But if they're not playing well, don't let it get me down because it's just baseball. And that's tough to do because you say uh, that we'll turn away from them uh, and not pay much as much attention to them if they're not good, which is true, but I'm still going to watch most of the games. Right. <laughs> and, and it's still going to hurt my head to watch them playing poorly uh, as they have this year. So, uh, that's, that's a line I'm trying to straddle Understood. that, uh, you know, uh, I guess for my own mental health, let, if they can make me happy, good. That's a good thing for me. If they are not going to make me happy, well, let's just not
1: get too concerned about it.
0: And I'm concerned that we've got a few years ahead of us of, uh, wandering in the wilderness.
1: Yeah, and I, um, uh, my, my fear right now is that the good flavors of 2010 to 2013-ish, um, will really make it bitter when when they go through this rebuild so i you know i i'm i'm just hoping upon hope that when they trade quato uh which i think is inevitable when they trade quato we get somebody back that we're like ooh goodie you know uh right. you know when the when the i still man when the cubs got addison russell <laughs> and i was like Oh, I was thinking get Addison Russell for Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill. Oh man, what are we sitting around with Quato for? Right. Well, yeah.
0: Let's deal to because if we could get you know, man, if we could have gotten an Addison Russell. And I'm not cool. even a
1: big prospect guy, but like I had heard of Addison Russell, so I was like, God, right. Oh
0: well. So. Um Yeah, and I, I wanted to talk about Quato here in a moment because he's the he's the elephant in the room when we, in terms of all these trade discussions, but um. yeah, I, you know, it's going to be more difficult. Maybe the Reds can get Chris Bryant uh, for You think that's possible?
1: <laughs> no, but, the, you know, uh, the Cubs still, you know, have a few guys. And, uh, you know, I've heard rumors that the Astros are very interested in trying to get Cueto. And, you know, the Astros still have, the Astros have something that's really cool for somebody like for the Reds and that the Astros have depth at positions. So they have guys that are already blocked by guys that just came up. So they're loaded. Yes. So you know that's the kind of situation that we, you know, the Reds need to be pushing to. and uh, and so fingers crossed.
0: Finger. That's the only thing we can do. Let's talk. Let's talk about Cueto for a moment. Um, you know, Cueto's going to get dealt. I, I, there's there's no chance he's not going to get traded by the trade deadline. You agree with that? I do. It's it's ninety nine percent. Yes.
1: Unless he gets hurt.
0: Unless he gets hurt, which is what I worried about a couple weeks ago, now, not so much now. He's had a couple of really good starts uh, since coming back from uh, missing a couple of uh, missing a couple of starts, and it makes me really sad that this may be the last we see of Johnny Cueto in a Reds uniform. and And I wrote a piece at uh, for Cincinnati Magazine this week that really was just written because it makes me sad to think of him wearing someone else's uniform. Uh, you know, Quato is one of the three best Reds pitchers of my lifetime. Just digging into, digging into the the stats and what he's done for the Reds, I think that it's almost undeniable that in my lifetime, and I'm a little older than you, not much. Yeah, you saw Bucky
1: Walters pitch,
0: right? Sh- <laughs> Shut up. Ah! Paul, Der- Paul Derringer, yes. Um no, during my lifetime, I think he's the third, uh, one of the top three. And you can argue, well, I think Jose Riho is uh, is the best. But between Riho, uh, Mario Soto, and Johnny Cueto, all Dominicans, all and all, all names ending in O. Yeah, uh, the refs need to do a lot more work about getting Dominican pitchers, because clearly those are the guys. His name end in O. In O, but you know he's he's played. This is his eighth season in cincinnati which is hard to believe as well he debuted at 22 years old and just uh, has been brilliant and, and the day he gets traded unless they get back an addison russell type even if they get back an addison russell type i'm gonna be really sad that this guy's not in cincinnati because uh, he's been as, as much fun to watch pitch for the reds as really anyone in my in my lifetime that i remember i i've just uh i've gotten a kick out of watching the guy he's been magnificent as a pitcher, and uh,
1: I'm going to miss him. I agree. I it, it makes me sad. In fact, I was watching him this past week when he pitched, and uh, just seeing him work on the mound. Um, you know, it's weird because he's not like uh, he's not like Clayton Kershaw, where you can really just put your finger. on I mean, Clay, Kershaw's got that curveball and you know and a great fastball. Um, you know, Johnny's become a very smart pitcher. And smart pitchers who have good stuff are, you know, they're so much fun to watch. Um, you know, good stuff, good control. Um, you know, he he knows how to, like, use his defense. He knows how, I mean, I'm sorry. That's very bad of a sabermetrician for me to say that because I know gifts <laughs> and all that stuff. But Now, right. there's a reason why, he underperforms his fielding independent pinching statistics. Um, and it's because he's had very good defense. But it's also because uh, he he controls the game. You know, the game never... It's very rare when you have those situations where it seems like, you know, Johnny doesn't have control of the situation. You know, you see that a lot with, like, Mike Leak, where, um, you know, balls are getting put in play, uh, and maybe they're not being hit that hard, or maybe they are being hit hard. Um... But it's just he doesn't have the stuff to to get out of a jam like Johnny Cueto does, you know. They're both equally smart pitchers, but Johnny Cueto's got the stuff when he needs to dial it up or when he needs to throw a killer slider or a changeup. Um, you know, he's just got those pitches and uh, and really can just overwork the hitter, uh, you know, make him look overmatched. And it's so beautiful to watch, and it's going to be very disappointing um, that we're not going to get to see it. But I'm hoping... Uh, my my hope right now, uh, I see some some of that in Michael Lorenzen. Um, he's very much younger and not nearly as developed. Uh, but I see some some of that ability to kind of dial it up and you know do you know do some of that. So I'm hoping that you know it won't be long until Lorenzen can kind of move himself into that, that similar type of picture. Maybe not you know he's not going to be one of the two or three best pitchers in the league, but you know having a uh, a Mike Leake, again, a Mike Leake who can uh, dial it up to ninety six when you need to. Um, it's so much fun to watch.
0: You heard it here first, Reds fans. Michael Lorenzen is as good as Johnny Cueto. Yes. Oh, maybe not. Uh, but but Cueto, you know, over the last five years, just looking at it, Kershaw's the only guy who can really say with definitive, uh, you know, you could positively say is better has been better than Cueto. I mean, Cliff Lee and Cole Hamill, in terms of National League starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cliff Lee and Cole Hamels are up there. But And you're right, he's smart. Uh, he's just, uh, he's, he's got great stuff, true. And he's got great hair as well. Yeah. We don't need to don't need to forget that. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at his numbers, and he's if he were to pitch through this season and next season in some alternate alternate reality, he's playing for the Reds, he would be. I think it's almost definite he would be in the top five all time of Red starters in terms of uh, wins above replacement, mm-hmm. which is crazy. He's already eighth in uh, in strikeouts. He's
1: let's see what else do we have here. and um, well, what's crazy about that? Uh, most of all is that he wasn't really that good of a pitcher his first two years. You know, I mean, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. He was still trying to figure things out. Um, and, you know, it was really kind of midway through 2010 before he really became, you know, Johnny Guido. Um And and so that's, so we're really talking about a guy that's only had about five and a half years of greatness. Uh, and he, you know, he still ranks very highly on all these different red lists, you know.
0: You know, he does. He ranks very highly in, in a number of categories. I'll never forget that during his second year, and, and I'm a, I'm a Marty Brenneman fan. I'm always going to be. I know he gets criticism these days, but I'm just I'm, I'm a fan of Marty Brenneman uh, because I grew up, he was sort of the, the background music to my childhood. But I'll, I will, I hope I'll never forget during Cueto's second year when Marty said, uh, in the way only Marty can say it, frankly, I don't think this kid is ever going to get it. i mm-hmm. talking about Cueto. When he was struggling uh, as, a, as a young pitcher, as a 23-year-old. Right. Or 24-year-old, so it's been uh, really fun to watch him excel. But I just, I'm I, the day he gets traded is uh, going to be a sad day in Cincinnati Reds franchise history, as far as I'm concerned, because this guy, is a, he's a Reds Hall of Famer, um, and uh, one of the best pitchers we're probably ever going to see mm-hmm. in a Reds uniform, and uh, I, I hope people can appreciate that as he comes down to what's probably his last few starts.
1: But I will say this, I'm happy... If he does get dealt, I'm happy that he leaves the Reds on the top. On top, and we don't have to watch him go through the injuries like Mario Soto and Jose Rio had to go through.
0: That's true. You know,
1: we'll, re- it, we'll remember him at his best. Exactly.
0: And you know, if he gets to go to a good team and win a World Series, good for him.
1: Yeah, so, you know. definitely. You know, if, uh, if the rest of the world starts to realize what we all all already know, that'll be awesome. And then if he goes and gets an eight-year, two hundred million dollar deal, more power <laughs> to him. Just not with the Yeah,
0: I, I love Johnny Cueto, but uh, yeah, I'll be happy to see some other teams. I don't eight-year love anybody except my wife. <laughs> exactly, you've committed to at least eight years with her. But with Johnny Cueto, uh, <laughs> a little bit less upside than uh, less upside than in your marriage, um, in terms of the the back end of his career. All right. So. I'll cheer for him wherever he is. Uh, he's and
1: and you're right. I'll we'll be able to remember fondly. It, much like with, when Aaron Harang comes in, you know, you, yes, you know it's it's good to see him and you remember the good times. Um, you know, and it's it sucks that he you know sucked when he was here a couple of days ago, but um, it was still it's still good to be like, hey, you know, Aaron Harang was a really good pitcher when he was here.
0: Yeah, I did the recap at Red the night that the Reds beat him up a little bit, and that's what I wrote. I said, I, you know, I'm glad the Reds won, but I take absolutely no joy in watching them beat up on Aaron Harang because uh, Harang was a good Red uh, for a long time, and uh, an underrated Red for a long
1: time. Yep. If he had had the same defense that Johnny Cueto had behind him, uh, you know, he would have had a lot better coverage, I think. I don't
0: don't want to say young.
1: There's a a huge difference between pitching in front of the worst defense in the league and the best defense in the league. And Aaron Horan pitched in front of some horrid defenses.
0: He did indeed. Um, Let me ask you about one other thing that I've sort of posed in print lately that I'd like to get your opinion on. Uh, And this is my uh, proposal that – Well, here's my question. Why isn't Todd Frazier a bigger star in this city? Uh, it just seems to me like the numbers he's put up the last uh, couple years, he should be the biggest star in town. And, and maybe I'm just not not seeing it the right way. Maybe he is the biggest star in town. See,
1: I don't know what does a big star in town look like, though. I mean, in Cincinnati, realistically. I mean, it's not like, you know, it, it's not like our media, um, you know, we don't have the New York gossip columnist. So, we don't, you know, we don't have guys following around celebrities and telling us everything that they're doing. Um, you know, even, I think, George Clooney was in town recently and he just went out to a bar. You know, the, you know so, um, I'll say this. I ran into Todd Frazier and his wife at uh, Coldstone Coldstone Creamery in Newport-on-the-Levee. <laughs> this is the best story in the history of
0: the Redleg Nation radio podcast already. <laughs>
1: I didn't talk I didn't <laughs> talk to him because God forbid I talked to anybody in Broadway. Um but so you know I was I was there they were there and the guy the two kids in front of me walked out you know they, I say kids but they were probably 18 19 something I don't know uh, they walked out and as I was walking out the Frasers were still in the Coldstone Creamery, and I walked out and the kids said uh, I could hear them saying is that him is that him and I was quite certain they weren't talking about me Um so I said, I said, yes, it, it is him. That's Todd Frazier, and uh, he came out. And those those guys ran over and asked if they could get a picture. And then while that picture was being taken, another group, another couple came over and asked if they could get a picture. And while that picture was taken, there were two kids standing there that wanted to get their picture. And I probably sat and watched them for five minutes. And they, I think, they took five or six different pictures. And and it wasn't just a. Um, you know, here, yeah, I'll lean in and do a, a nice little picture. Like Todd's, like no, 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 let's move over here. You'll get it, but you know the, the shadows won't be a problem or whatever. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, so he was very open, and and, and then I found out after I, um, you know, went in on Twitter and told everybody that I had uh, that I saw Todd Frazier like a little schoolgirl. Um, they, uh, I noticed that he was actually out with his wife celebrating her birthday, and yet he still, you know in five minutes had people coming up and taking pictures and he was doing pictures. So I think that's what a, what a big time celebrity in Cincinnati looks like. You know, I don't think, you know, he's not going to be, uh, there just aren't, you know, outside of Chad Ochoa who is going around making his own, you know, building his own press. Um, there just isn't anybody, uh, any sports figure, you know, at least since the seventies that, um, is that kind of a celebrity, you know? I think most of the celebrities, sports celebrities in Cincinnati, you're just, you know, they tend to be low key. Uh, a low-key, and Cincinnati's kind of a low-key town, you know?
0: Well, maybe that's it. Maybe my perspective is off. But I, just, I look at the guy, and, you know, sometime early next year, he's likely to move past uh, Chris Sabo into second all-time in career, uh, wins above replacement for Reds third baseman. Second all-time in Reds history. Yeah, he's a Little League World Series hero, is Name's been known really to everyone um, since he was 12 years old. Uh, homegrown player, uh, finals of the home run derby last year, all star, solid glove, just you know, and hitting well this year. I don't know. I, just, I guess I just I feel like he's the type of guy that Cincinnati has always embraced, and maybe they have embraced him. Maybe I'm just not seeing it. Uh, maybe my perspective is off. But um, well, I mean,
1: I, like I look at the roster right now. And I mean, I don't think there's anybody. I mean, you know, Joe Votto is not. Um, I mean, he's got a different personality, but I mean, it's not like. I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't quite understand what you would expect, but I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody on the Bengals that's like that either. Where people, um, you know, where they, where he's you know plastered all over billboards and on TV all the time and stuff.
0: But who do people talk about? Votto and Quato and Chapman and Bruce. Uh, seems like Frazier's just sort of uh, ignored a little bit, I guess, behind those guys. Well, and you got to remember,
1: Frazier's only in his, what, third or fourth year? This is his fourth year. So, yeah. um, you know, those guys have been here for eight years. So, you know, they, they've been the topic of conversation longer. Um, and, you know, they, they had make much bigger bucks and, I mean, you know, realistically, if you look at performance, you know, Johnny Cueto should be the biggest star in town because, True. you know, or, or Joey Votto, um, although Votto being hurt the last, you know, a couple times though, over the last few years kind of diminishes that. But, um, you know, Cueto came as close to winning the Cy Young, I mean, outside of the fact that, you know, he didn't get any first-place votes because, you know, Clayton Kershaw, but... Um, it, you know, but he's he had the, perhaps the best pit, uh, season by a pitcher last year, uh, by a Reds pitcher in 20 years. So um, uh, he should probably be a huge star. But you know, he doesn't get talked about as as much. Maybe in the outside of you know, when are they going to deal Johnny Cueto? I, get, yeah, I, I guess I don't like, know what I'm saying. I'm kind of I feel like I'm rambling, but I. I don't know. I just don't, I don't think Cincinnati has those kinds of celebrities. I just don't think they
0: do. Maybe you're right. And you're right if there's one guy that should be. I mean, you know, Cueto has been an elite performer amongst his peers, uh, one of the greatest in the game. And Frazier has been as well, but not to the level that Cueto has. All right, so whatever. <laughs> we didn't answer any questions there.
1: Uh, what else you want to talk about, Joel? I don't know. I think we covered pretty much everything that's important. And if people think other stuff is important, they're probably wrong.
0: Yeah, it could not be very important if we haven't discussed it. Mm-hmm. Well, then I guess well, let's, let's wrap this thing up, I suppose.
1: Yeah, they have probably already turned it off anyway.
0: That's right. Nobody's listening at this point in the podcast anyway, so we could really talk about anything we wanted to. Uh, you watch anything good on TV or any movies you've seen, we could probably go into all that. Um, well, Joel, I appreciate you uh, You know, taking some time to talk with me tonight. Always a good time to get together and talk about these Reds, even when they're not necessarily performing very well.
1: Yeah.
0: Although they have been lately. They have been. They swept the Phillies.
1: Come on. You've got to be good to sweep the Phillies. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. It's Uh, the big leagues. Not everybody gets swept every time they go out there, right?
0: Exactly. So we're going to root for the Reds to play the Phillies every game for the rest of the season. Yes. All right. Well, you know, uh, a lot of fun tonight, uh, and we're gonna keep watching the Reds, and I hope we're back on the uh, on the schedule of doing some of these podcasts because it's always fun to talk about the Reds. If you've got any uh, questions for us, send it to us uh, at Twitter at Redlegnation at uh, Dotsonc. That's me at D o t s o n c at Joel at J LuckUck, J L u c k h a u p t. You really need to change the spelling of your name to make it easier for me to give out that Twitter handle. Joel. Okay. I'll get on that. Yeah, work on that. Um, No, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I'm going to hopefully avoid seeing Joel at the Home Run Derby here in a few weeks.
1: That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I'll be at all the events. The Fan Fest and the game and the the Future Stars game, which won't have any technically Future Stars in it anymore because they'll all be in the majors.
0: (laughs) Right. I will... uh, probably not be at the game but uh, we'll be at all the others as well so uh, you know if you see us uh, you won't know what we look like probably so
1: ignore us we'll be we'll be the guys uh, you know staring at our phones in line <laughs> right the nerd
0: the nerds tweeting during uh, the fan fest uh, but uh, I'm excited about the, uh, the all-star Festivity. it's gonna be a fun time to celebrate baseball in uh, in a pretty good baseball town we're not uh, the greatest baseball town ever like st. Louis says they are
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, pretty good baseball town though and it's gonna be a fun it's going to be a fun July, I think. And it's going to be an interesting July with all the trade uh, scenarios. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get off here. You can check us out uh, at redlegnation.com every day. Uh, and uh, certainly check us out on Twitter. And go subscribe to the podcast at uh, iTunes. We'll have a link up to subscribe via iTunes or via RSS. And if you go to iTunes, give us a review. Uh, that helps us get uh, move up in the... Uh, in the search rankings, and uh, give us a give us a good review if you if you like us. If you don't like us, shut your mouth. Uh, Joel, appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, it's been fun. All right, yeah, it has been fun uh, for Joel Luckup, This is Chad Dotson saying so long.